back in Ontario, there was a fellow who uh, built log homes. He didn't have a, a big business. He was sort of the chief cook and bottle washer himself, but he was very good at what he did. And he's continued to make a living, as far as I know, of building custom log homes. Uh, <clears throat> he would build them on site, uh, erect them on site, and uh, get them the way that he wanted them. Then he'd take them all apart, put them on a truck, and then ship them to the site where they would be uh, reconstructed. On one occasion at his home base, at his home site, he, he had a son, a small child, uh, that was around uh, where the house was, where the building site was. And the child was, was playing uh, around the area. And that particular day, uh, the man was lifting a, a very large log with uh, a piece of equipment. It wasn't necessarily the right equipment to do it. He had put some chains on a front end loader with uh, some way to lift this log. And he was lifting the log up uh, to a rather high point on the building and something happened. And uh, the log began to slide from the chains uh, that were holding it and he very quickly evaluated that situation. He realized he wasn't going to be able to hold that log very long and the log was going to fall. And the, the way the log was going to fall, it was going to fall over and roll uh, to the other side. And that's where his son was. Son was playing over there. He was actually climbing on a small log pile over there. And <clears throat> just in that split moment of time, when there was just enough time, he just called his son's name and said, jump off of that log pile right now. And the son jumped and ran. And the log fell and it didn't hurt anyone. What's the key to that story? Obedience. Obedience. Most of us want to say, well, why, why do you want me to do that? Or I, I, uh, why do I have to do that? Or I don't want to do that right now. Or I'm having fun right here. But some way, somehow, that father had instructed that son to be an obedient son. And without asking any questions or wondering why he had to jump off of that small log pile at that very moment, he just obeyed his dad and actually it saved his life. Let's go to our text, 2 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> We've uh, talked about several um, aspects of our journey as we continue on in the Christian life. Uh, you, you might remember that <clears throat> the context of this letter is, is Paul's probably, as far as we know, his last letter, the last one we have recorded. We don't know how Timothy's really doing, but by the questions and by the admonitions that Paul gives him, we can discern that perhaps Timothy might have been a little bit discouraged. He might have been a little bit timid. He might have been failing a little bit in his boldness in the things of God. He might have been a little bit fearful. Paul covers these areas as he talks to him. He, he may have been discouraged to the point he's not developing his gift anymore. And so he's giving him these instructions 
Uh, don't be afraid. We don't have the spirit of fear. Uh, exercise the gift that you have. Don't let any man um, belittle your youth. Uh, keep going. Keep on uh, type of ministry. And, and we have considered the possibilities uh, of uh, the source of our strength as we go on, the strategy of service as we go on, uh, the suffering for the master in light of separation, both positional, which we have uh, as, a, as a title, and, and both experiential, as we have as an ongoing practice in our life every day. And <clears throat> today we're going to look at the next, not, not necessarily the soldier now, but the athlete, the runner in, in particular this morning. Let me read for you again the first seven verses, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may Please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. <clears throat> If the soldier speaks to us of separation, the runner will speak to us uh, in, in particular of two things. I want to just emphasize the one. The one is obedience. If he doesn't strive lawfully, he doesn't get the crown. Uh, the, the idea there is that I must run according to the rules of the race. Every race has rules. And uh, if I don't uh, run according to the rules of the race, well, then I can be disqualified and, and not win the crown. Um, <clears throat> the, the other inherent part of obedience is the life of discipline. When I was in the military, um, among other things, I wasn't a believer then, among other things uh, that I learned that has carried with me through my life uh, has been some of the disciplines of the military. And uh, you could ask my wife, um, if you came to our home today unexpected and you went into the drawer where uh, some of my clothes are, you would notice that they are folded in a certain way and placed in a certain way in that drawer. She committed to that when we got married. And she's done that for 40 years this coming May. Um, it's not something we do especially for you. That's just something she does. It was something that I picked up in the military it has been good for me. It's been a hassle for her, but she has done that uh, for all of these years. There are certain disciplines in life um, that are good for us. Um, there are habits in life that we have to break. Sometimes you have a bad habit, and it's just that you've done it so long, you just keep doing it. You don't even know why you do it. And some, of them, some, some grave clothes from the old life sometimes have a hard time of falling off, don't they? Uh, that's just habits. Those are not necessarily disciplines, but you've just done it so long. Oh, 
I'm no good at this. I don't know how long you have to do something before it becomes a habit, before it becomes a discipline. Maybe people write books on that and stuff. I, I don't know. But I, I know this, that you must determine to do things that are right. And uh, we talk about self-control. Well, for the believer, I'm not sure it's self-control. It, it must be self under God's control, uh, under the Spirit's control. We must be spirit control but we have something to do we we uh, god feeds the birds but he doesn't put the worm in the nest <laughs> somebody had there are things for us to do and in our journey of going on there are two key elements over the umbrella over this thought is obedience and obedience will necessarily bring discipline in our lives I am so glad the Lord has allowed me to be in the ministry that I'm in. It's not Joe Reese's ministry or anything like that. It's just the minister of a servant. And you're a servant by the grace of God if you're going on for the Lord. I don't know what ministry the Lord has called you to, how you work that out in your life. But I'm so thankful uh, to be in the place where I believe the, God, the Lord wants me to be. One of the reasons is, basically, I'm undisciplined. I, I, I have a problem with that. I like it. I, I, I like to see everything just in its slot. Do you like that kind of a thing, you know, where you, you open a drawer, there it is, just lined out, you know? Well, every once in a while, probably about every few months, I have to empty my drawers. <laughs> and I'm going to get this right this time, you know. And uh, recently, we just had a move. And I said to my wife, if we don't get it together now, we are never going to get this together. <laughs> you know, like, we are trying to get organized. A disciplined life is an effective life. And so we want to think about this as we talk about striving for the crowns. Now, let me explain a little bit here. Maybe the outline leaves some questions in your mind. We don't do what we do so that we can get a crown. I know I think there are, and I'm not even going to touch on them this morning, but I think there are five crowns or maybe more mentioned in the scriptures that by the grace of God we can earn. <clears throat> let, let me tell you how we earn them. It's kind of crazy the way the whole thing goes. You, you take a, a, a pen, you put it in the hand of a child, and you say, now, I'm, we're going to learn to write today. And the child goes, okay, great, you know. And so you say, you, you take this pen, you hold it like this, and you go like this. And you hand it to the child, and they go like that. You say, no, 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 you, you, you don't do it like that. You, you do it like this. Now try this. And they grab it like that. Now, you work with that child, and after a while, they got the thing like this, okay. You say, now write your name, and they go, you know, you go, no, 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 no. It's got to go like this. Like, you got it? Yeah, okay. So, no, no, not like that. Like this. Eventually, you know what you do? You take your hand. You put it over their hand. You got it? And you go, you wrote your name. <laughs> and they, they go, I wrote my name. Yeah. That's the way God works with us. They couldn't save themselves, so... By his grace, he saves us. We couldn't keep ourselves, so he keeps us. We wouldn't know what to do, so he gives us his word. We wouldn't know how to understand it or apply it, so he gives us his spirit. 
I, I mean, we, we have any idea what to do, so he directs our path. We, we couldn't possibly have enough strength to do it, so he strengthens us to do it. Um, we, we can't continue on, but he continues on. What's the point? At the end of the whole thing, he gives you a reward. <laughs> For what? Christ in me. It's so miraculous. It's so wonderful. And we, like little children, say, I wrote my name. I can do all things through Christ. I can do nothing without him. Only what's done for Christ and through Christ and by Christ will last. And so when we talk about striving for the crown, let's understand, it's not that physical, perhaps whatever it is, I'm not sure, representative um, reward of faithfulness to some degree. Who's faithful? Who is faithful? What have we that we've not received of the Lord? But in his mercy and his grace, he says, strive, go for it, do it. In, in my strength. Well, let's notice it again. First of all, if anyone also strive for masteries. It's, a, it's the old King James. For the reward. The, the idea, the word here, actually there's, there's, a, there's a few different words for the word strive. I understand the New Testament. This one here just simply means if anyone desires to engage in a contest... Yeah, if you'd like to run the race, if you would like to enter into the competition, if anyone strives to enter into the competition of some competition that's going to have a reward at the end, then in order to get the reward, he must enter into that competition, he must strive, he must enter into that competition in a way that is acceptable, that is approved by those who have organized the competition. That's not hard, but there's a play on words. Hold your hand here and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. Notice, I'm going to read a little bit longer reading to get to my thought here, but I just want you to see the context in which the thought that I want to pass on falls. Verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation or a responsibility or a stewardship of the gospel is committed unto me. I mean, let me pause there and just say, <clears throat> to neglect a responsibility, to neglect a calling, to neglect the will of God doesn't mean that God just forgets it, okay? 
You say, well, I don't want to. And God says, well, if you don't want to, then okay. No, there's a responsibility. If you heed the call, if you by grace uh, strive uh, for the responsibility, for the calling that God has given you, if, if you try to do it, if you want to do it, if you're willing to do it, God says, I, I have a reward for that. But if you don't want to do it, if you turn away, you still are held accountable. There's a responsibility. There's a stewardship that is still there. And you're accountable for that. 18, what is my reward then? Verily, when I preach the gospel, I make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jew I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jew. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now, you understand he's not saving anybody. He is leading them to an acknowledgement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how that Christ died for their sin. Verse 23, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Now watch. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize? So run that you might obtain. And every man, now he's going to use a different word now, watch. And every man that striveth for the mastery. It seems very similar. It's almost identical to what he writes to Timothy, if any man strive for the masteries. Okay, so he uses the word strive, but it's a different word. If every man that striveth for the masteries is temperate, sorry, and every man that striveth for the masteries is temperate in all things, that is, controlled, disciplined, determined. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not uncertainly, so fight I. Not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, or I keep my body in subjection, is the idea. Bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The idea is a marred vessel um, put on the shelf. Uh, has nothing to do with losing your salvation or being separated from God, but it has everything to do with being unapproved uh, as a runner or a fighter or a workman with the Lord. Um, in this context, let me, let me deviate just for a moment and ask you this question. What would you do to see a soul saved? Careful with your answer now. 
what would you do if you knew a soul was going to get saved? Would you give up your freedom and rights for the gospel's sake? Would you go out of your way to identify with others? Would you give up your lifestyle and learn the ways to win the unsaved? Would you make yourself a servant to all men? Would you discipline yourself that you could accomplish this goal? In the text, Paul says, I I give up my rights. I'll make myself a servant. To the Jews, I'll become like a Jew. Well, that wasn't hard. He was one. Those that are under the law, well, I'll put myself in that situation. Those that are without the law, oh, Gentiles. Then I'll... I'll identify with them. Those that are weak, I don't know how you understand Paul, but in my mind, he's like a spiritual John Wayne coming through with bazookas and tanks and just mowing everybody down, you know. But he said, I'll be weak. I'll be strong to the strong, Jew to the Jew, Gentile to the Gentile, uh, weak to the weak, and that I might save some. I don't know how many individuals are actually capable of doing that in themselves, but we're not talking about our own strength, are we? We're talking about the strength that God gives. We're talking about people who are super intelligent that can talk to people who are illiterate. We're talking about people who live in culture and refinement can talk to people who live in mud huts. We're talking about a a heart that is willing to give up rights and lifestyles and accomplishments in order to see a soul saved. I'm suggesting that any missionary that I ever met that left North America to go somewhere else, that's what they have done, folks. That's what they have done. I also believe God's called a whole lot more people than went. It's never too late. Paul could say, I discipline my life. I train for the competition. I run. I know where I'm going. I fight. I know where to hit. I preach, knowing the dangers of falling away myself when I preach to others. He said, I'm not under the law except to the law of Christ. To love, to honor, to serve, to please the Lord. Paul said, this is what I would do to see a soul saved. And the question for you and me is, what would we do? Would we say, I'm too shy? I don't know enough. That's not my style. I'm not an evangelist. I'm afraid. You can do it better than me. (laughs) What would we say? It is in this context that we get our little word different. 
the word strive, verse 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery. You see, <clears throat> there's a difference in that word and the word that was used uh, earlier uh, in the text in 2 Timothy. That word simply means if anyone in, desires to engage into a, con, uh, to a contest or competition. But now there's a little twist, and he says this, and every man that striveth for the mastery. Now the word takes on a little bit different twist. It appears seven times in our New Testament. Listen, listen to the other um, trans, way the word is translated in various contexts. In Luke 13, 24, the Lord Jesus said, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. And, and then in John 18, he said, If if this was my kingdom, he says this in verse 36, then would my servants fight. There's our word, strife. Interesting. Then in uh, Colossians 1 and 29, he talks about striving together. In Colossians 4 and 12, laboring frequently for you in prayers. The word frequently is translated strife. Or the same word that's translated strive. Uh, here's another one in 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight. The word fight is, trans, is the same word translated strive. In 2 Timothy 4 and 1, I have, or 4 and 17, I have fought. I have the same word, strive. Fought the good fight. What, what, what's the idea? The, the idea here is that there is a, a con, contending, a struggle with difficulty, with danger. It is a life and death struggle. Ima, imagine this. Strive to enter in, the Lord Jesus said. He said, many will seek to enter in and shall not be able. What's that? Well, there's people that are not striving. You say, oh, wait a minute now. You mean we got a salvation by works? No, we don't have a salvation by works. Salvation, please listen to me, is simple, but it is not easy. There is a striving. The enemy is against you. He does not want you to trust the Lord. And when you've trusted the Lord, he doesn't want you to go on. This is a, a struggle in, in a dangerous environment. This is, this is something that we must work on and work on and work on and discipline our life and give up our rights and say, by the grace of God, I am what I am and I keep going and I keep going and I keep going. There is a striving. If any man strive, contend, struggle in, in, a, in a dangerous situation, he is temperate. In all things. Um, I sure wish it was a lot easier myself. <laughs> I wish you could just say, well, I got saved. And that's wonderful. And let's just enjoy this abundant life the Lord Jesus has died to give us. And can't wait for his coming. I'm going to have fun on earth. I'm going to go to heaven and have fun one day. This is going to be a wonderful thing. But the admonition is, if I'm going to continue on, not only must I separate myself by the grace of God, suffer by the grace of God for the one that has chosen me to be a soldier, but I must also strive. This is like work. This is like struggle. 
so that I might receive the reward or the crown. Um, okay, now let's go back to our text again in 2 Timothy, for we read these words, unless, or he is not crowned, unless he strives lawfully. Uh, I, I'm so appreciating Brother Randy's uh, ministry. Uh, he just has a unique way of just laying it out, and I just so much appreciate that, brother. Um, and, and the way that scripture uh, dovetails in the scripture and the Old Testament has all of these unique examples and types and anti-types of the reality in the New Testament. So appreciate that. And appreciate it especially this morning when it comes back to the word. We had a, uh, for, for a few years in, in Sault Ste. Marie, we had a clock on a... Um, microwave it seemed to keep the best time and so we set our watches and our grandfather clock they uh, uh, by that clock on the microwave well then wouldn't you know sometime the power went out oh my now the microwave is all whacked out okay so then we set the microwave by the grandfather clock <laughs> or by our watch you know well, this goes on a number of times, and what, what's happened? We've lost the standard. That's what's happened. There's no standard. We didn't have a world clock like some of you have, and it always defaults back to a millisecond somewhere, in wherever the world clock is. I don't know. That's what's happened, though, isn't it? We've lost the standard. So we start setting the, the, our rules by our rules. Oh, we refer back to the book, but as our brothers reminded us, it's sort of put on the other side now. It's not in the forefront anymore. It's sort of like, well, when I, when I get something at home and, I, and, it, and you have to build it, you know, you open the thing up and maybe it's a bookcase or something. You got it for a really good price, but it takes you eight hours to put this thing together, you know. And uh, so I get it together and I go, I got two shelves and eight screws and a bracket left. I don't know where that goes. I better look for the directions, right? Generally speaking, that's where the other four hours comes in. I got to take the whole thing apart again and start over. Why? Because I didn't look at the directions. I'm notorious for that. God forbid that that's what we would do with the Word of God. God forbid. It's what's happening. Obedience. You say, it's, is obedience that necessary? I mean, couldn't you just, as long as you get across the finish line, I mean, couldn't it, couldn't it if, if you just got some souls saved and you brought some souls with you, I mean, how important is obedience? Ask Moses. One of the greatest figures in the Old Testament. Moses how important is obedience? Moses said, well, I wasn't allowed to go into the promised land because I disobeyed God. Hmm. Take your rod and strike the rock in, in Exodus. Yes, great. Bang, the water comes out. He obeyed. Later on in aggravation and frustration, God says, speak to the rock. He speaks all right. He speaks to the people in anger. 
And then he strikes the rock twice. Well, water came out. You say, great, great, it worked. He, he was just a little off. Water did come out. The people were blessed. But Moses disobeyed God, and it cost him that day severely. It's clear in the scriptures. You read it. Ask King Saul, is it important to obey? Well, I've done everything. I, I, oh, I forgot about the king. Yeah, we brought him back and played with him for a while. Uh, <clears throat> right. And uh, we, we did bring back the best of the condemned, you know. Everything was condemned. The Malachites, whoosh, gone. Wipe them out. Bring nothing. Nothing. Women and children. Babies. Yeah. Don't worry about those little children and babies. They're with the Lord. They could have grown up in a pagan society and gone to a devil's hell. It could have been the mercy of God. I, I, can't, I don't know. How can you question God? Can the thing form say to the one that formed it? Let God be God. I don't know. I don't know. But Saul decided it was a better way. He decided he would sacrifice. None of this was his job. None of this was God's way. When, when Samuel comes and confronts him, he said, I did the Lord's will. He said, no, you didn't. And it's in that context that we hear these words. It is better to obey than to what? Than to do what I think than to have my own ideas, than to modify the thing myself, than to fix it for God. It is better to obey than to worship God my way, serve God my way, uh, live for God my way, do it my way. It is better to obey. I mean, don't you sing it in your Sunday school? We do. Obedience is the very best way <laughs> to show that you believe. Not only that, the scriptures are very clear that obedience is the very best way to say, I love you, to Jesus. Twice in John 14, if you love me, keep my word. If you love me, keep my commands. If a man loves me, he will keep my word. Over and over and over. And I don't even have to tell the Lord that I love him. I don't have to say those words. All I have to do is obey him. He knows. <laughs> guys on an oval track, they're running around. Uh, there are five of them out there. One guy's lagging behind, lagging behind. He realizes, I am not going to win this race. So he said, I got a plan. I'll just cut across the grass. <laughs> and I'll get in front, and I'll cross the finish line first. So he activated the plan, he ran across the grass, he got in front of everybody, he broke the ribbon, yay! There was no yay. There was no winning. He was disqualified. Why? Didn't he, didn't he win the race? Didn't he cross the line first? Oh, yeah. But he was disqualified because he didn't run according to the rules. Let me suggest for you that this is not necessarily a rule book. It is a book of principles of how to live for God. If, if it was a rule book, it might say, 
you should not exceed your chariot over eight kilometers an hour in the streets of Jerusalem. You say, well, that'd be outdated. Exactly. So the timeless principle is, what, Romans 13? Obey the laws of the land. That's timeless. As long as those laws don't contradict God's laws. God has a way. We, we talked about it. God's work done God's way. If you have any doubts as to whether or not that is what God means, you have to ask the Lord Jesus. Uh, one day God says, I'm, I'm going to prove to the world and to every angelic creature, fallen and unfallen, and approve to everybody in the universe as we know it, every creature, that my son is the most qualified person to go to Calvary. I'm going to take him into the desert, into the wilderness, and I'm going to prove that he's solid gold. So he goes into the wilderness, he goes on the pinnacle of the temple, and he goes to an exceeding high mountain. Three different locations, three different temptations, three different ways. Uh, the, the idea when he gets him on the high mountain, the, the devil takes him on a high mountain and shows him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. As soon as you take the word kingdom, singular, and add a little S to it, you got a problem. <laughs> you got wars and rumors of wars and conflict and he showed him all of the kingdoms. He showed him all of the imperfect things he could have. The Lord Jesus will set up a kingdom one day in which righteousness will rule and it'll be God's kingdom. Matter of fact, in Psalm, what is it, two, one or two, I forget, uh, God's already promised to him all of the kingdoms of the heathen is his anyhow. So the devil says, you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all these things. <clears throat> uh, so the Lord Jesus said, well, uh, you shall worship the Lord God and him only shall you serve. But Jesus said, you don't have to go to the cross. I'll take my hands off. You, you came for the world, didn't you? You came to set up your kingdom, didn't you? Uh, you came to redeem souls, didn't you? Uh, I'll pull back. I'll pull away. I'll, I'll tell all of my fallen angelic uh, demon helpers here, uh, just back off, uh, turn down. Uh, uh, we're, we're done. J just one moment of time. That's all you've got to do. Just, just fall down and just worship me and, and you won't have to go to the cross. You won't have to be rejected. You won't have to suffer. You won't have to give your life a ransom for many. You won't have to, uh, you won't be the, the target of the wrath of God on you. I'll just give you everything. It's what you want, isn't it? Jesus said, I think I'll do it God's way. God's way. No shortcuts. No plan B. There's only one plan. And not for one moment did he consider that or discuss that. He would be impeccably obedient to the Father's will. 
even though it would cost him, even though God would have to lay on him the sins of the whole world. He wouldn't buy it for a minute. In today's evangelical atmosphere, if we're not careful, we start modifying and um, changing the Word of God to, to fit a society in which we live. Now listen, I, I understand that our methods can change. I understand that. But the message can't change. The Word of God can't change. It must dovetail with the Word of God. If, if, if God's Word is, is not um, um, uh, relevant for us today in the 21st century, we're done. Because we're in the 21st century and we can't change that. So God has got to give us a timeless book. Uh, a, a, a book that will work in the asphalt jungles of Detroit and the backwoods jungles of Malaysia. It's got to work. The principles have got to work. And, and, and you and I do not need to modify those principles or change those principles. All we need to do is to obey those. Just in simplicity. That's the problem. We're, move, we're removed from the simplicity. It's not hard. God didn't make it hard. I walked into a, a, a little uh, village um, in, in Malaysia a few years ago, and there they are living on stilts, <laughs> a little bamboo thing. And, and there was their meeting place. There was only about eight of these huts in the village. It was built in a dry creek bed. It was about this high off the ground. I just stuck my head up in there, a little ladder, and I looked around. There was only one piece of furniture in that building. It was a little table <laughs> made out of bamboo. He said every Lord's Day they put a cup and a loaf there and they remember the Lord. One of the elders came and we just smiled at one another because I couldn't speak his language. He couldn't speak mine. Somebody took a picture of us and I walked out of that jungle with tears thinking only God could do it. Only God could design a church that will work in the asphalt jungles of our cities and the jungles uh, in the jungles of the world. Only God. How are you going to do that? You can't do that. Man can't do that. Man is trying to desperately change it. Strive for the mastery. Not crowned except he strive lawfully. Most of us, um, I include myself, struggle with submission. One of the greatest uh, weaknesses in the assembly today is nobody wants to be accountable. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm accountable to nobody but God. That is unscriptural, number one. That is not scriptural. God has placed an order in the assembly, in the home, in the Godhead, in the world. There's order, gotta be, okay? <clears throat> if we struggle with authority and obedience in our homes, we have conflict. 
If we struggle with that in our assemblies, we have contention and strife and envy. The runner in this particular race, the one who runs for the crown, reminds us you don't get anything unless you run lawfully according to the law. Well, <clears throat> uh, this is a big book, and it's got a lot of rules and regulations in it. And uh, God, interestingly enough, says, um, best you read that, and then by my grace and through my spirit, I'll help you understand it, and then I'll help you obey it. Because only in obedience is there blessing and reward. I know we got grace, we've talked about that. But in obedience and blessing, there is reward. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, I would have to admit that it is a struggle. It's a struggle to remember the Lord in everything we do. It's a struggle to be obedient in everything we know. And yet as we go on, we know that obedience is absolutely necessary. For when we disobey, then we're separated again from our God. Well, not in relationship, and thank you for that. But in our walk, in our fellowship with you. Help us not to be Christians on the outside only. But may we say with David, Sacrifices and offerings thou wouldest not, but a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Search us then, we pray, our God. Try our thoughts. Search our hearts. See if there be any wicked way in us. And then lead us in your way. For Christ's sake, amen.